into the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. You know? So, only knowledge of being born again or being born, period, that Nicodemus had was being born physical. Right. That's all he understood. The physical birth. He didn't understand anything about spiritual birth. But instead of telling the whole story here, what he was telling him that he needed to be born again, he needed to be spiritually born from above. Because that's what being born again means. It means to be born from above. So if you're born from above, that's what God does for you. Through his Holy Spirit. He causes you to be born again. Right, when you're born again, what that does, it means that you're born from God. So now you belong to God. Because now you become God's child. So when you look at that, that's, that's powerful. Because now you know when you got a spiritual birth, you know who you belong to in your physical birth because you were born from your mother and father. So you know that's your mother and father now because you were physically born. Mm -hmm. Alright, so now you've been spiritually born. You know you've been born from God. Alright, so now God becomes your father now. And you become his child. Okay? So if he says, if my people, he's saying all the ones that have been born again, that know me as their father. <laughs> he said, you got to look at this thing. You are my children. Alright? Now, since you are my children, you got to understand that what I do is that I love my children very much. I love them a lot, all the way to the point the way I chastise them. Mm -hmm. I love them so much to where I, I use the rod of correction on them every now and then. And, and I got my own way of doing it because I know where all the hot spots are. I know how, <laughs> if, if, I, if I hit them this way or <laughs> if, I, if I tap them this way, I know how to get some type of response out of them. So he knows because you're his child what it takes to get you to move. And so when, 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 we, when we look at what's, what's actually going on here, uh, I, I, I love it again because I see what, what God is up to in this. Go ahead, Professor. No, 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 I'm listening. Because what I see, you know how we feel each other. What I see also is he's given us an opportunity to give him glory. That's his chief. Right. Because when I think about how this passage starts off with the if, and then later on down there, it goes to Dean, Brother Sam, you computer genius here. When I was in the 10th grade, Lord, I know I was a long time ago, I took my first computer class. And we, that was when the computers were that big and everything was green in front of you. And we had to write a little short program. But it was always an if-then program. Yeah. yeah. So if you got the computer to do this, then the result would be this. And God is saying, if my children will do this, if my people will do this, then I'm going to show you who I love. Again, if chance, right. my people, 
That's an honor and a privilege. He put his name on folk like us. He put his name, Brother Sam, on people like all three of us. Hard-headed people. Folk that won't do right sometimes. Folk that be like, Lord, I know I shouldn't say this, but. I know I shouldn't go there, but. I know I shouldn't say nothing about that stuff, but. He put his name. Watch this. He put his perfect name on imperfect people. Yeah, he did. Brother Sam, here we go. <laughs> he said, if my people who are called by my name, watch this. Here we go, Brother Sam. Would humble themselves. Let's just go right there. It been burning. Go ahead and strike that match. I, I'm, I'm going to let you handle that. Because I, I got something else to touch me here. Because if you go back, and, and we'll get back to the humble part. So throughout the, I guess throughout the Bible, and so many times you can look. If you take a look at verse 14, mm -hmm. and you'll see it though. As you look at any other verse and you go to it, it's a capitalization there. But in verse 14, if my people is a small eye, <laughs> not the big eye. So what is that? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, because if you look, look at verse 13, the big eye, if, if I should, if, if I should, you know, I should have. But then in 14 said, if my people was a little eye right there. See, I think I can recall many times, even when we was at the same, residing in the same um, building, church, and just, you know, y'all doing your ministry, I was like, there's no big eye, no little eye here, you know. Right. But right here, we have a little eye and if right here. So God is speaking in, in, in a lesser term. He's trying to get them to recognize this level because if not the if if I he's saying I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to dig a little deeper in that because that, that's making my mind just churn a little here because I'm trying to figure out why is it a little I and if at the beginning of this chapter you see all those ifs but at the same time there's a if this if is a small I and an if one thing I would share to you about that is a lot of times different versions of the Bible may write things a little bit different. So as you look into that, look into that. Yes, sir. But all those ifs are conditional. Okay. If, there's that word, conditional. That's it. And even in verse, he said, if I shut up heaven. Because Solomon had prayed, mm -hmm. if you shut up heaven because of the people's mm -hmm. behavior. And he said, and there be no, or if I send back. Now, it just it is contingent. But he said, if my people who are called by my name, gotta go here, will humble themselves. Uh oh, here we go. Somebody tell me why Christians are so arrogant. Because I, to me, I think 
Self rears his ugly head. And I'm gonna go back to you on this verse. Self, it, it rears his head. And self in the Greek is the ethos. It is your consciousness of your own identity. Your consciousness, your knowing, because you're not unconscious. Unconscious to be out. But consciousness is knowing, your awake. So self keeps them from being humble because self gets in the way of it all. It's your own consciousness of your own identity. What is your identity? If it's selfishness, is it self-love, self-righteousness? I mean, self just gets in the way of, of being humble. So if you continue to be selfish, and you want to be that Christian when you say I'm a Christian and you're still self, God will have a way of humbling you. Yes, sir. Strip away some things. Because now you, you is self doing this? I did this. But then God can say, okay, then if you've done it all, then I have to give you some humility here. Because when you're not recognizing who he is, because God loves those praises. And I always say, man, I give God his praise because there's nothing that we've done. There is no I. I couldn't have done it without him. So now when self gets in the way, you can't be humble because you're, you're stuck on yourself. You can't see past yourself to see that the creator is the one that really got you to this point. That's why when I look at sometimes when I see NFL players or whatever, when they want up to the, you know, to God for that, you know, is that is that truly what you're doing? Are you is it just at the moment? Are you just giving them recognition, or is it a full time? Because this is a full time thing. Mm -hmm. This you can't. This you can't take no days off. It's true. You, you just can't. Man. This this is full time. It's not a part time thing. You can't be a part time Christian and say you love God. This is a full time. And with that full time thing, it's going to come some time. You're going to have to go overtime. You're going to have to work overtime. Because you got to put in some extra work, some extra time. Just like when y'all, I listen to y'all all the time, I was up for hours putting together that word. But then I just had to just let it go on that God. Because self, I'm going to stay up a little while long because I ain't got it right. But then I can listen to y'all sometimes, I, it don't come to me just at that very moment. <laughs> you let self get out of the way. Spread the moment. <laughs> you let self get out of the way. So God, I'm going to let you continue on that path. Stay up all night, you I give it to you when you put yourself out the way. Exactly. None of us have anything to be arrogant about. Now, when it comes to pride, you can take pride in what you do for the Lord, but don't let that get to where I did it. Because the Bible tells me that Without him, I can do nothing. The Bible tells me that in him we live, we move, and we have our being. My very being is because of God. My very existence is because of him. He is the reason. That I am here today. Right. He's the reason 
that I can speak. He's the reason that you and I arrive here safely. Because some other people got in their vehicles on the way to a certain destination, had accidents. Somebody possibly even died. I don't have anything to be arrogant about. I thank God for who he is. And if you look at it, he said that his people should humble themselves. So if you're being arrogant, he's giving you an opportunity to get yourself right. And that word humble means to go low or to be low. To bend the knee. Humble yourselves. Humble yourself under the hand of the mighty God. And in due time, he'll exalt you. What do I have to be arrogant about? What, what do I have? What do I have that I didn't get from God? What can I do that he does not allow me to do? I'm nothing without him. Now, part of the problem with what's going on in the world is Christians are too arrogant. Mm -hmm. Just right there in the Word. Because the first thing he said after he claimed us, gave us his name, it said you're too arrogant. I didn't make it up. It was right there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have nothing to be arrogant. The homes we live in, the vehicles we drive, he allows it. What does a Christian, ain't none of us carried no cross up Calvary Hill. Ain't none of us took no 39 lashes with no carabine to you. Ain't none of us had our beard, all the hair plucked out on our beards and wore no crowns of thorns and had nails in our hands and nailed in our foot and hung on the cross. Ain't none of us been pierced in the side with a spear. Ain't none of us been ridiculed like he has. What do we have to be arrogant about? But yet and still, we still do it. This is my car. This is my house. My money. I live. You forget the Bible said it was him that gave you power to get wealth. You forget it was him that woke you up this morning. You forget he had mercy stopped by your bedside this morning when justice was crying. They did this, they did that, they did this. And Romans 323 said the wages of sin is death. I mean 623 said the wages of sin is death. But mercy said, yeah, they messed up. I'm going to give them what they don't deserve. Or I ain't going to give them what they deserve. Another chance. Thank you, Lord. What do we have to be arrogant about? Okay, how much money in your bank account? It can be gone in the midst of a moment. Me and uh, my wife changed our prayers. Uh, and I know I've never owned anything. I know everything belongs to the Lord. You know, uh, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell in it. So uh, I, I realize 
that I focus on management now, on how I manage, because God has called us to be stewards, mm -hmm. good stewards over what he actually loans to us. Everything is on loan. Because understand, if you really own it, wherever you go, you take it with you. Even in death. If you own it, you would take it with you. But I see only one person who owns it. Because when we say we own it, we never take it with us. Uh, and we can lose it at any time. But God always has it take from us or to give to us because it's his to give he said he has given us all things to enjoy free so my prayers now is like Lord I thank you for this nice car that I drive uh, I thank you for the loan I thank you for loaning it to me so help me now to be a good manager good manager over what you belong to me. I thank you for my nice house that you give me. Help me be a good manager over my household to manage it the way you want me to manage Because I understand it's not that. No matter how much money I spend on it, no matter how long I have it, no matter what I put in it, it's not mine. But I work for it. Yeah, I work for what's not mine. <laughs> but it is mine. If it was mine, uh, see, that's the point. If it was mine, I would not have to work for it because I already own it. <laughs> but I, I, work, work. I work for it to own it. No. You work for it just to pay for it in order to manage And I paid for it with the money I worked for, so now it's mine. But the money that you work for is not yours either. But it's mine now while I'm here. In your mind is yours. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the mentality that's of people. Mentality. That's the mentality. And it's just not the mentality of the world. True. Because God is not concerned. He's not, I'm not saying he's not concerned. He's not talking about the people of the world. Again, remember, that's my. That. Second word, my people, third word. That, that, that's right there. That's why it makes, that makes it so much more serious. Because we're, we're children of God and we should know better. We should know better. Why don't we know better? Well, we know better. Why don't we do better? We just don't want to do it. Nah, why don't we know better? You know why. Because some people, when it comes to this book right here, the only time they get into this book right here is on Sunday morning. And all they listen to out of this book is what pastors say. Never read anything on that. That's why we don't know that. Because we, some Christians don't ever pick up the Bible outside of a Sunday or a Wednesday if they go to Bible school. Some Christians don't know no more than the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not know. Some people don't know no more than is anything too hard for God. Some of them don't know no more than but they that wait upon the Lord 
Sheridan New District. My God shall supply all the needs. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They don't know no more than that. You got people that have been in church for 30, 40, 50 years and don't know no more than when they got there. Paul talked to them. He said, by now you should be teachers. I got a quick story about uh, Jackie. Jackie grew up in Florida. Jackie, after graduating high school, I mean college, got a job in California. Jackie always tried to get his mama to come visit him in California. But mama said, I ain't getting on no planes, I'm sorry. And I ain't riding there. No One day Jackie got a roommate named Chris. Chris would always be asleep during the day when Mama called. Chris would be black. Jackie would always say, well, Chris said hello. Jackie got a promotion and he begged and begged his mama because he wanted her to be there to share it with him. So Mama got on the plane and flew to California. When Mama got there, Chris was sleeping. And Mama get up in the morning and Chris then got up and cooked breakfast. Mama didn't know Chris was Christine. <laughs> Mama didn't say nothing but her demeanor at the table. Jackie knew he was in for it. And so when Jackie and Mama got away for a while, Mama said, Jackie, you know I didn't raise you like this. I said, Mama, ain't nothing going on. We just shared a bed. I mean, shared a house, splitting the red because of the way things are. Mama was like, all right. So mom was there a few days, and every day there was this sugar bowl on the table. And Chris's great-grandmama had left it for someone to it. So when mama got ready to go, mama left. Spy Chris. And a few days after mama was gone, Chris said to Jackie, she said, Jackie, she said, the sugar bowl missing. She said, I was here when your mama was here. She said, I don't want to say she stole it, but it's not here now. Jackie was like, well, it's clear. He's like, well, let's just look around. Maybe we couldn't find it nowhere. Mm -hmm. So Jackie said, she said, Jack, you need to call your mama. Because that's, you know, that's still a middle Great grandmama gave it to us. Jack called his mama. He said, Mama, how you doing? I said, I'm good. She just waiting on me. It was about a week or something later. She said, you had some small talk. He said, oh, yeah, mama, uh, when you was here, did you notice the sugar bowl on the table? Mama said, yeah, you know what she told me. She said, mama, well, the sugar bowl is missing. Did you take it with you? She said, now, Jackie, you know this better than that. She said, thank you for confirming what I already knew. He said, what you mean? She said, Jackie, the sugar bowl is washed out and put in her bed in between the pillars. And if y'all weren't sleeping in the same bed, by now you'd have found the sugar bowl. <laughs> All I'm trying to tell somebody, by now you should be further than you are. Right? <laughs> by now you should know more than Psalm 23. Right. By now you should, you should be up teaching Sunday school. You should be leading a youth ministry. By now. But the reason that some people still so arrogant because they don't get in this world. They don't know. They don't understand that being arrogant does not prosper you anything. 
They don't know that the word says you humble yourself. And look, he said, humble themselves. They're going to give you a chance to do it. It's already bad enough. He said, humble yourselves under the hand of the man. He will exalt you. You got nothing to be arrogant about. I can take pride in knowing that I'm not going to hell. I can take pride in knowing that my life has been changed. But I can't be arrogant about that. He said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, we the problem. We're the problem that the problem is still going on. But why would we humble ourselves? I mean, what, what, what have we done? What have we uh, gotten involved in? Or what, what have we been doing over time that have caused us not to be humble? You know, uh, is that what we've obtained. That's, yeah, that, there is. Because we, we look where we come from. Ourselves up. Look where we come from. Yeah. Used to be in an apartment. Right. Now we got three, four bedrooms in the house. Mm -hmm. Used to drive, but maybe I'll get that car. Yeah. Now we got two or three cars in the driveway. Used to live paycheck to paycheck. Now we can miss a week, several weeks, Take a vacation, go on a cruise. Ain't paying no times. Right. Because in our minds, we we're, we've arrived to a point. Some of us. But then again, some of it is just lack of teaching. That's true. Because if you look now. Teaching is going just like preaching. It's all about the blessings and the new levels of Christ. You understand that every chance I get, I can take the opportunity. A preacher told me he said the word level ain't even in the Bible. And people talking about God taking me to a new level. Whatever that means. But people don't understand that. And being arrogant never gets you anywhere anyway. Sure. It makes people turn away from you. I, I, I like where God in dealing with us, he, he makes this promise to us. Yes. And he, he, he makes this promise and we see that the promise is conditional because it determines what we do will determine what he does. But he's already promised what he's going to do if we don't do what we're supposed to do. Whether we do exactly what he tells us to do or we don't. He still shows his love and the promise because he's already told you exactly what he's going to do. See, that's one thing I like, I like about God is, is that he gives us free will to choose, but he doesn't give us free will to choose blindly. <laughs> See, he never lets you choose blindly. 
He even gave Adam and Eve free will into God. He gave us an option. Yeah. He said if. Right. Which means you have a choice to make. Right. He gave Adam and Eve a choice into God. Yeah. We're suffering from it. So here's the thing right here. Yeah, we suffer. We can look yeah. at other people's bad choices and know nothing good come out of it. Right. But the thing is, whatever choice you make, see, it's, it's, it's real bad when you make a choice and you don't know the consequences. You know, you just kind of, well, uh, I, I think I'm making the right choice. But if he's already showed you, if you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. But if you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. But he shows us what the problem is right. in this. Right. And the only way to rectify, alleviate the problem is to do what he's asking us to do. Which still comes down to choice. It does, but it's not pleasing to me. It doesn't please that part of me. That's why the, the choice is made, because of it. that pleasing part, that they can't get away from this feel good. Here's the word. Here's the word that Christians do not like. Sacrifice. It's true. Sacrifice and deny. I have to deny what I want to do right. to please God. I have to make sacrifices to please God because look, he made the ultimate sacrifice. He didn't have to give his life. Why did he do it? So that we could live. And when we put what he did for us in retrospect of what he asked us to do, it ought to not be so hard to do. But because we still, not, let me make a disclaimer here, not giving this the reason for anything to be done wrong, we still wrapped up in this stuff called flesh. Yes. And we have to do like Paul said, Beat our bodies or get our flesh under control. And that's even, and, and, and when we talk about flesh, people always think you're talking about sex. They always think you're talking about doing fornicating. That's not it. Right. It, it could be your mind, your thought process. It could be wanting to hurt somebody. It could be wanting to cuss somebody out. It could be wanting to stay home on Sunday morning when you know you ought to be in church. Is he's telling this flesh no. And that's what you just said. It's not pleasing to me. I don't think a nail in his hand was pleasing to him. No. But we don't realize that. I mean, I, I talked to my mom today, and we was having an awesome discussion, prayer. And, and, and the, the simplest thing, and I told her, you know, even with WWF, what would Jesus do? And I know it sounds it's simple things and they have a bracelet, whatever. You have to take a moment in every situation to, to pause sometimes. Because if you don't, what you say, you can't take back. And it, it cuts deep words in you. You can't. You can't. Yeah, what you do, it, it, the hurt, you just you can't. And so when you begin to have this relationship, this this 
this bond and this, this marriage with Christ, it should change you. It should, you should want to change. So now those things as, as the things that you used to do, when they come upon you again, there's something in between there now that'll cause you to say, no, not, not this time. You know, that, that there, there's something that you've been down that path before. If, 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 if there's something in Christ there, you're not going to want to go that way. Because now you, you have a relationship that's, that's, that's nurturing. That's love there. Because his love is, is stronger than the love that man or woman have. That's the love that we're talking about with Christ's love. When he, he gave his own life. But he gave his own son. So then when you begin to, to grow in Christ, you'll have an understanding of Jesus done this for me. He's given an opportunity to, 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 to shine. I, for me, for me it is, it's gratification because I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing it for me. I'm not doing it for Sam. Right. I'm giving God all the acknowledgement. A friend of mine told me, he said, you always give God praise. I sure do. Because he gets it all. Because it's nothing that I have done. I couldn't do it without him. So why am I going to put myself out there on a pedestal saying I did it? Because it's not that way. So when we begin to, to, to have that strong relationship with Christ, with God, our Father, our Creator, he'll, he'll make you cry tears of joy. Even when nobody else is around. When you hear that voice, you already know that, man, that's, that's love. Because it come, that voice comes with so many other things, man. The feeling of love, that compassion that he has for you. You said it, you're not fit to, fit to live, fit to die. At that moment in time, but he still, he allowed us to go on. And those are the things that when we heed his commandments, he makes it easier to abide by his commandments and to see them and to act upon them and to live them out true. as a Christian should. But at the same time as a Christian, you don't have to take a sledgehammer and whoop somebody or beat it over the head with them. If they see it, they know you're a Christian. You don't have, I'm a Christian. You don't have, you don't have to go out for you. There's no, you don't have to prove anything. Your whole, your, your whole demeanor and the way you carry yourself will reflect who he is. But if some ugly come out of you, we already know what you are. Dr. Mason, your thoughts and then go tell us. Since we're on humility, uh, uh, you know, Christ became nature, huh? Uh, when, you, when you look at this humility, it's kind of hard for, and, and, and I like the way uh, Second Chronicles is, is outlined, the way uh, it has these steps. Uh, he wants to recognize, first of all, again, the identity uh, of, of who you are. Uh, 
And, and I think when we do that, everything else that follows uh, you knowing who you are and whom you belong to will make everything else easier. Uh, it, it should because sometimes we really don't look at the privilege that we have of being God's people. And when you understand, exactly, when you understand the benefits that, that come with being a child of God, uh, it makes you see God in a different way because you're like, wow. We understand in, in the physical uh, to belong to uh, a family that is rich, where your father is rich, you know, and your mother is you know, richer, you know. He's a multi-millionaire. And by you being born into the family, you got access to all of those riches in them. But when we look at God being born into his family, and him owning even the riches that human beings have that are rich, he owns it all. It should make us humble without any problem because we see how powerful he is, we see how rich he is. We see just how loving he is. He has everything for us that we want. Everything that we need, God has it all. And so why wouldn't we be humble to someone who shows you that type of love and affection and how he wants to just bless you and just shower you with, with blessings? Why wouldn't you be humble to someone like that? And, and, and when I look at this, uh, we basically should see ourselves as we really are. We're really bad. In my prayer, I, and, and I pray this every day, I ask the Lord to forgive me for the sins of omission, the sins of commission, the sins of his word, and then the sins of the thought life. Those things that we think about that nobody knows about, that only God knows about, no, that only God and you know about. Everybody else don't know it. They don't know what you're thinking. They can't reason right. But that thought life of things that you would have done if you could have done and gotten away with it. So we'll think some things yes, sir. that we uh, shouldn't be thinking. And, and when, you, when you do that, those things kind of show you who you really are. And we need to come to the point to where we confess that right there of who I really am. The best way to get true humility is when you get to that point. Because all the arrogance, all of the facades that people think who you are, don't really know who you are, but they think you are because of what they see from the outside. But you know how you are from the inside will make you humble. 
Paul, as great as he was, and as many epistles as he wrote, we thank him for the New Testament, you know, and all of the books, the Romans, the Philippians, Ephesians, all those books of the Bible. He said, I am the chief of sinners. Possible. <laughs> and when you look at yourself that way, humility should be a problem. Should be a problem at all. Because it's let you know exactly how really bad you are. It's let you know how really bad you are at the time, but it doesn't let you know how really bad you can be. When you know there's more room, as we would say, more room for improvement, well, there's also more true, more room for getting worse than you are right now. And it all starts when you're not home. And, and, that's, and that's one of the things I like, how, how, how he's leading up to that. See, see the steps? Recognize who you are in Christ, <coughs> first of all. When you recognize who you are in Christ, first of all, then it shows you without him you can do nothing. And then if you have anything, the arrogance that you talked about, Professor, that arrogance that you have, see, that arrogance will fade away now because now you understand that he's the one who said, I'm the one that gives you power to make wealth. So everything that you do have that you think you got on your own, you really didn't get it on your own because if I decided to take it from you, ain't nothing you can do about it. So he had a way of humbling you and you have a way of humbling yourself. And he's telling you right here to humble yourself. Don't, don't wait until I do it, God. I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'm going to give you a chance. Exactly. I'm going to give you a chance. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and you, you can either humble yourself now or I can humble yourself later. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the alternative is, it's like you really don't want me to do it. Right, yeah. Don't want me to do it. Go ahead. Um, you said it before, um, when I first began off the moments of reflection, is um, make a self evaluation of yourself. Um, I did that, and I probably got like three pages of self evaluation of myself. And, and when I looked at it and I read it, man, it, it hurt. It hurt me. Almost, it almost, it almost brought tears to my eyes. And you were honest. And you have to be honest with yourself. But then I look at it as you know, I don't do those things anymore because I, I had written that you know a, a while back, so I had to grow from that. Mm -hmm. But in this, this right here, this word, this word contains God's promises, His assurances, His healing. Everything that that God is mm -hmm. is this in these is this word. But in order to get an understanding of it, you have to be in you know, that word. You have to you have to apply it. Uh, but first, you have to open it. You gotta get in it, and then you have to get an understanding of it. And if you don't get somewhere where somebody can help, you. exactly. And I and I, I thank God for these kitchen table conversations because these are these these two men sitting here have been teachers to me. These are teaching moments, and I know that someone listening here probably nodding their head right now, or they saying under their breath they're agreeing, because without these teachings, 
we wouldn't have the knowledge right, right now. And, and, and they're not doing it for, for self-gratification. They're doing it because the love of God and for, for those who are listening to get that understanding and to apply it to your lives and to really live it. Because you only have one life to live. And as, 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 as Reverend Mason was speaking, I want you to understand that when you're young, you feel vibrant. You can do anything you want in the world. Mm -hmm. But one day, if God's will, you'll grow old, yeah. you'll be old. Yeah. The beauty is gone. So what do you have left? Because I look at people because that sometimes that's all they have is that beauty. And they use it. Yeah. Not pleasing to God, but using it to get that advantage that they want in life. To get those things. Even exactly. from the male perspective. Yeah. But one day, the beauty is gone. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to live with? Do you have that person that's going to walk with you through the through the good and the bad and the ugly because that, that's what God is. He's there at every point of it. But understand that John 15 and 7 said, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. But you have to get an understanding of this word for in order for it to abide in you. It's true. If you don't, then the word don't abide in you. You're lost. Good. I, I say that we put a boat out <laughs> Uh, I, I like what you said about, about the word there. Uh, God gets us to that word through afflictions. Mm -hmm. I like what David said. It was good. <laughs> what David said. Psalm 119, I, I looked and he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. See, but now have I kept that word. I, I said it at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> got to be afflicted. We, we, affliction is good. Because it will bring us back where we're supposed to be. Uh, so David was right, you know, and, and Notice how he says he, he says he went astray. But now, all of that being afflicted and going astray brought him back to the Word. So he says, uh, now he keeps the Word. And how did he keep the Word? Well, what did he say to again? He said, what? Your Word have I what? He is Right? He said, I hear In my heart. That I might not sin against you. Mm. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Mm -hmm. But now have I kept that word. Yes, sir. It is good for me <laughs> that I have been afflicted. Yes, sir. That I might learn my statue. Mm -hmm. Closing out of this humility prayer. As I'm sitting here and you're talking, something that you said to me hit me sometime, you said it sometime ago, and it just blows my mind every time I think about it. Here's one reason that none of us have any reason to be arrogant about anything. We all came from dirt. True. I don't see the dirt out there talking arrogant. And when you look at how powerful God is, mm -hmm. 
that he can make a man from the dust slash dirt of the ground. That would humble us right there. I mean, he made bones from dust, muscles and tendons. And this was getting me in Facebook and everybody else. I hope you get this. How do you get wet blood out of dry blood? That's what you said to me. That one blows my mind right there. If, that, if, you, if nothing else can humble you, that ought to humble you. I don't care if you wear Prada, Liz Claiborne, DKNY, red bottom shoes, you still dust. I don't care if you wear Michael Cole, a little bit time, mm -hmm. Gucci, you just dust wearing Gucci and Louis Vuitton. So, so real. And that ought to keep you humble because here's the thing about dust from dust you came, from dust you're going back to. Ah, for as much as that, please, Almighty God, and if you're infinite wisdom to take out of this world the soul of our dearly beloved brother slash fish, we therefore commit your body back to the earth, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and what? Dust to dust. That ought to humble us right there to know that we're nothing but dust. The word said on tonight, if my people choice, Lord have mercy, privilege, he got paternal with us. So you belong to me. It was like he spoke to the church at Ephesus, I know your works, but I have somewhat against you. You left your first love. After he tells us we got a choice, after he tells us we should realize it's a privilege that he put his name on us, he said, I got something against you. And tonight, he just outlined one part of it. That is, we're too African. It's true. We're too African. As Reverend Mason said a little while ago, God said, humble yourself now. Oh, I can do it for you. Again, we thank you guys for joining us on tonight. We'll be back next week and we'll pick up with prayer. Um, if my people. The word tells us that we're living in some terrible times. And Brother Sam said the solution, the answer, is in the word of God. Not only is the solution in the word of God, the solution is in the people of God. I remember the pastor I started preaching upon. <laughs> we were getting ready to go into the homecoming revival, no, the church anniversary and they went into a revival afterwards. And the guy that was supposed to preach was out of Dallas, and so we're waiting, and we're waiting for the afternoon service. And well, that was two and a half, three hour drive. It's getting later. I, like, I don't know what's going on. 
And after a while, the pastor just said, forget it. He said, I'll preach. He said, open up your Bible to 2 Chronicles 7.14. He read these words, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. And he preached that afternoon from this right here, a simple solution. There he is right there. It's simple. It's a simple solution. If we would simply get in this word and do what this word says. We thank you. God bless you all for being with us again on tonight. Uh, I'm going to ask Brother Sam if he will close us out in prayer. Um, then we should be back next Thursday, I mean next Tuesday again with, we don't know whether it will be the conclusion or simply another episode, but we'll pick up with Craig. Brother Sam, if you will take us out again, you can catch us on our, again here on our Facebook page. In a couple of days, this will be put up on our YouTube page. Um, it's on the podcast platform, Spotify. You have an iPhone that's on the Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and a couple of more podcasts. You know, people that may want to join in and listen to us, we put up our conference call line for those, because some of the elderly people do not indulge or deal with social media, things like that. So we try to be as accessible as we can. That number will be put up on our story every Tuesday. Uh, we'll continue to put information up on our Facebook pages and things of that nature. TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, we're also there. So again, we thank you all for joining us on tonight as we got into this first uh, episode of If My People. And what God's people need to understand is God is basically calling us out. Brother Sam. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity you allowed us to just go on the airwaves, Father God, and just to preach your word, Father God, and, and just to reach people on this night, Father God. We hope that we said something, Father God, that has touched someone in a way that has caused a change and draw them nearer to you, O God, that, that they have seen something or heard something tonight, Father God, that has piqued their ear and their interest, Father God, to to be more and get more into your word and get a better understanding. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for just allowing us to gather in this home. We thank you, Father God, for Reverend Mason allowing us to be here and sit at his table, Father God. And we just ask you to continue to bless him in his home. Bless those, Father God, who are listening, Father God, that they may, Father God, join us again. We thank you, Father God, for your traveling grace and mercy as we depart from here, Father God. Just take us to our destination safely, Father. We just thank you, Father God, for using us, Father God, and just your humble servants, Father God, just doing what you want us to do, oh God. And Father God, I hope that we have said and done things that are pleasing in your sight, Father God, that you continue to use us, continue to increase, Father God, and upbuild us, Father God, and uplift us in a way, Father God, that they know that it is you and not us, Father God. Use us, Father God, to you. We have nothing else, Father God. That's what we desire. To reach those, Father God, who are just hungry for your word. And that we may bring it in a way that they get a clear understanding of who you are. And whose we are in you, Lord. All these things we ask in your son, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Thank you. And until next week, be blessed.